Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're, 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 tuned, you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. back on it's always game day in Cincinnati Lindsay Patterson Mike Santagata Mike how you doing I'm doing pretty good how are you doing Lindsay good I think we've all just moved on to the next week week six in the NFL for the Cincinnati Bengals I said it before on the podcast I feel like when you get to Wednesday it's starting to the move on who who are they playing next can they get a win preview predictions we'll have all of that on the podcast now but they did have practice over the last couple of days. We heard from Zach Taylor earlier in the week, and he pretty much said, gave a little bit of an update on T. Higgins and Jonah Williams. And we heard from them in the locker room on Wednesday. When it comes to T. Higgins, he didn't practice, but he was on the rehab field. So there's optimism there. Jonah Williams didn't practice at all the last couple of days, and he talked to the media. And the biggest thing is it's wild to listen to him talk about the injury, about the kneecap going back into place and I don't even want to describe what that feeling would have been like for him because he's a trooper Jonah Williams is that guy uh to go back out there and play the rest of the game after it pops back into place but T Higgins Jonah Williams they could be without them but Taylor did say they there's a chance they don't practice Wednesday and Thursday and they still go on Sunday I think we'll get an injury report tomorrow which pretty much states exactly what we saw Wednesday and Thursday when it comes to Jonah and T Higgins because they do go a little light on Fridays how does that impact the game and what did you uh think about those two out this week oh if they're both out, that's uh, oh man, this is really two and four possibility. Uh, not that I would pick them to lose if they're out, not that I'd pick them to win if they're out, but your chances of winning without what is playing like your best lineman now that he the first two weeks, if you just remove those, he's been the best lineman on the team and left tackle and what that replacement would be. Adenogy might have looked okay in the preseason, but that's against preseason guys and then not regular season football. And then the other one, T. Higgins, this offense is night and day without T. I mean, I don't know why, but they cannot figure out how to move the ball effectively without T. Higgins in there. Um, and we could maybe get into that a little bit about theories. But, um, yeah, I don't love either one of those guys being out. Now, the, uh, big shout-out to Jonah Williams. Dislocated kneecap, it's all about the swelling, I believe, with him. Or T, it's probably also about swelling, but I think probably a bit more pain with him too. But, man, dogging him dogging him to go back into that game after dislocating his kneecap. I love it. 
Yeah. And one of the things when you look at the videos from the rehab field and T Higgins, and I'm no doctor, I'm not an athletic trainer, so I'm not going to guess what it looks like from a video that's on Twitter for 30 seconds. But T Higgins is just running sprints up and down. And when I think of a wide receiver and I think of T Higgins, I think of someone who needs to move back and forth a little bit, move the ankle, feel, feel like himself again, like he did in the pregame on Sunday night football, and then didn't feel like himself when he got back out there to start the game. So I think you can be optimistic that he's out on the rehab field, but we're not seeing live game in action, you know, catching balls from Joe Burrow, even at practice to determine if he's good to go. And just him alone, you mentioned it, this offense just looks lost without him. And it's wild to me because you have Jamar Chase on this team. And if someone would have told me back in training camp that, look, T Higgins, he might be out for a couple games dealing with an injury, a lingering injury, but he'll be back in there. Like, oh, they got Jamar Chase. They got T Higgins. Are they not T Higgins? They got Tyler Boyd. They got Hayden Hurst. See, I'm already thinking about T Higgins right now, thinking what a difference it is when he's not in the field. You get uh, you, you get plenty of weapons out there. Maybe your run game gets going with Joe Mixon. But if you were to tell me what a big factor this would be, you can go back to week one when he left the game early versus the Steelers. Yes, I know a lot of people point to the missed extra point, but if T Higgins is in there for the second half, that's a different ball game. You look at this past game. That's a different ball game. I, I don't think they're putting up. I think they're getting into the 20s, maybe even 30s against Baltimore. So he is a huge factor. And that's what makes me nervous. I put it out on social media earlier today when T. Higgins isn't on the field. It makes me nervous about this Bengals offense. And I just it's I don't want to get into play calling right now and Zach Taylor, but I don't trust the creativity or or just this offense alone without T on the field. Yeah, um, the good news on this front is, well, I guess it's not good news. It's good news for this game, hope they're healthy in general, is that, uh, uh, man, the Saints have five guys that were did not practice. Yeah. Marshawn Lattimore still not practicing. Michael Thomas still isn't practicing. Jarvis Landry still not practicing. Deontay Hardy, another wide receiver, still not practicing. Chris Olave and Calvin Throckmorton got in limited practices. So they look more likely, and Peyton Turner is not practicing. So, man, some of those big names, Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, Jarvis Landry, there's some big names for not practicing. So when it comes to who could be more injured, I mean, it might be the Saints. So it, missing both these guys and the Saints are at full health, not great. But if Marshawn Lattimore is not on the field, I think they'll probably play their coverages differently, but I don't think that they have a guy that they feel comfortable putting on Jamar Chase and they shouldn't even with Lattimore to be honest but yeah it's I, we do, I don't know I think that they should still be fine without T Higgins on the field like the offense shouldn't move into a shell of itself it should still be able to move the ball fine and they were running the ball really well against the Ravens but the pass game looked at times pretty bad and I don't even know if it's a creativity thing. It's like they do get creative with getting Jamar Chase touches, but then once those don't work or they blow all those in the first three drives in the first quarter, they start moving into, okay, we got to just call what we normally call. We just got to get back to our bread and butter stuff here. And as we've seen this bread and butter stuff, whatever they want to use against cover two and two high and quarter, quarter, half, six strong, whatever you want to say, whatever they're throwing out there, it's not really working. 
No, and and I probably shouldn't have used creativity because they did this Philly special and they made it difficult for themselves when they really could have made it simple. Uh, obviously, when you lose, everything is magnified. You, you think about those plays and, and Joe Burrow even talked about it on Wednesday and I'm paraphrasing a little bit of a quote here, but he's like, you know, people can blame play calling all they want. We have to execute it. And at the time we designed these plays to work. We just have to execute it correctly. They don't call, the thing is they don't call these plays to make everybody scratch their head and be like, why in the world would you do that? They think they have the players out there to get it done. You know, Tyler Boyd is thrown for a first down. And when we saw it against the Miami dolphins, we, we can see him play quarterback before on that play. Was it the right time? No, it wasn't. Would they like that back? I'm sure they would. Uh, but at the same time, and, and maybe this is the game. I'll give my guy Zim credit. Everybody knows Zim, uh, Zim Huday. He said, if this team, this offense is able to put up 30 points on the road, and I know the Saints are dealing with injuries too, without T. Higgins on the field, maybe this offense has figured it out. Sure. I, I don't know how the 30 points go. Do I feel good about the offense as they score 30 or is there like a defensive? I mean, I don't, there's a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, in general, I don't know. I just feel like a strong, maybe, I, I don't know. They don't need to score 30. They just need to look like they can move the ball and that the red zone offense is fine. If they scored 27 or something and it's a good 27 and not from short fields or something else, whatever. Honestly, without T, look, they need to figure out the offense with T too. They haven't scored thirty all year, so <laughs> scoring thirty without T, I don't. I, that's a pretty high bar for this offense right now. And I do think that this Saints defense, even with some injuries, better than the performance they put up against Geno Smith. And I also think, man, I, I really think, and I know we're five weeks in, but it is a lot of respect that teams are still giving to the Bengals offense with how they play their coverages where they really want to back way out there. They want to get out into what 15, 20 yards of depth, like on the snap, limit these explosive plays. And we know like it's harder to, you know, play offense when they're limiting all your explosive plays like that without having any explosive plays, just 10, seven to 10 yard gains repeatedly is hard to do, but they are making it easier to do that by limiting the other stuff. So I think they just uh, – it's a tough week to get teams out of these uh, pass coverage-specific two-deep type shells uh, this week because the Saints' run D, to me, is pretty good. But um, you can still hit the underneath stuff until they creep up. You could get to all these other things. I don't know. I get the idea that if they could score 30 without T, the offense has maybe figured some stuff out. I just – I care so much about the process more than the results. Like, <laughs> to me, it's like, did they look good doing it or was it, you know, they got uh, – Hayden Hurst uh, caught a ball and there was a whole malfunction on the defense where they didn't pass it off or something like that. There's one touchdown. Joe Mixon gets an explosive touchdown on another play, but he's stuffed other times. Then I'm not feeling that great about the offense. But if they're able to consistently move the ball, protect the ball, and win this game – to me, it's win it by two scores and look comfortable on offense. That's how I feel if they figured it out.
Yeah. I mean, I think in the long run, you, and maybe this will benefit them. We could look back on this in November and December, depending on how the rest of October goes and say, look, that's when they were just trying to figure it out. We've talked plenty about not having the preseason reps. And then Joe, obviously coming off his surgery, missing most of training camp, Lyle Collins, who I still feel like is battling a back injury, but this offensive line seems to be gelling. Obviously the competition on the D line has changed from what they saw in Micah Parsons and TJ Watt week one week two but at the same time it seems like good news chemistry is starting to work and then even the run game last week we might not see that against the saints for joe mixon in this game but yeah this offense still has it still has issues and i think they need a game where they can kind of get their confidence back because if you look at every single game this season and yes all of the games they've lost by a field goal two points against baltimore that if this offense would have been capable of the 2021 early season even mid-season late season offense they're 5 and 0 right now they're 5 and 0 because this defense has done its part yeah you can look at late in the game the defense can't get that stop but i can't even blame the defense for that because of what they've been able to do in the second half of a lot of the games not giving up a touchdown just the way that they've been able to you know control the game and, and help the offense but the offense hasn't been able to capitalize Jonah Williams, you mentioned, you know, if he doesn't go, Hakeem Adeniji more than likely, I feel like is going to go. And when he was out there for that short period of time, dude was holding like no other. I mean, they didn't call it. I felt like they didn't call it, but I know Hakeem has been out there and he's been a starter in the NFL plenty of time or for plenty of games, you know, even going back to last year, but I don't feel great about it. Yeah. They highlighted the hold on the broadcast, but that wasn't called. It was like, uh, it was only know. for like seven. Wasn't he out there for like maybe seven snaps? I don't even know. Yeah, but I do think the Ravens' pass rush is whatever. So it's like it's it's not even a high bar, and the Saints' pass rush is much better. So that doesn't feel great. I do think he did have some solid reps as he was going too. Like there, that was on a check down to P Ryan. And then like the next play was, um, I think the touchdown to Hurst, or maybe it was a couple plays after. He looked solid on the touchdown to Hurst, but they highlighted <laughs> he wasn't doing very well. I really would have liked it. They showed him doing well, too, but it is what it is. That's life as an offensive lineman. They highlight when you uh, hold and get away with it, but they don't highlight when you do a good job when you're the backup. It's fine. <laughs> Team knows you did a good job. So, And, hey, it's only holding if they call it. So That's <laughs> true. That's true. When but, you don't yeah, hear about it. The, the process didn't look perfect and I would feel very uncomfortable with him starting especially because on the other side you've got Lyle Collins who's having his career worst year with his back injury against Cam Jordan who seems to never age just like the other Cam 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 Hayward never ages Cam Jordan never ages it sounds like if you're an NFL player that should be your uh, well I guess Cam Newton aged he didn't look very good last time he aged pretty quickly yeah okay uh, theory's gone <laughs> but but even with Cam Jordan, I just wish he would retire and just become a broadcaster. He's really good at it. He really is. He was at the Super Bowl doing some of the pregame uh, programming on the field. And I feel like, you know what, you could just retire, go into the broadcasting. We, we don't need to see you on Sunday. I'm a, I'm a little nervous about that matchup, but, um, but yeah, I mean, to be determined, look, Jonah, he's a warrior. He's a tough guy. I could still see him playing, suiting up um, more than likely will be listed as questionable tomorrow. That's when, you know, you start to get the honest injury report of what the outlook outlook's going to look like. And I'm sure Lyle Collins will be listed as questionable. He'll play on Sunday. T Higgins is the one personally that I'm watching right now. And I, I try to think of the long run outlook, 
but I also try to think of right now because dropping to two and four wouldn't be ideal right now, even though the AFC North is still a tight race and, you know, the Ravens have a tough one against the Giants this weekend. So you have to think, you know, long-term about his health and, and just the rest of the season, if you want to give it a go, but I don't know how I feel about it. No, I feel terrible if they drop to two and four because this schedule gets harder as the season moves on. And I know that they play up to their opponent, even when they're not playing well. It, the issue is just, man, if you tell me that they have to beat the Bills and the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, it starts turning into like, ooh, this season, that's rough. I don't know if you want to try to be in a situation where you have to win all three of those games. They struggle against the Browns. They already lost one to the Ravens. They lost one to the Steelers even, even though I think they'll probably win the next time they play them. It's I don't know. Who knows? TJ Watt will probably be back for that one. He so, will. That'll be yeah. the game TJ Watt comes back. It'll be the Cincinnati game. 100% so, that's what it'll I be. Don't, I don't feel great about any of the division games. And then you've got three monster games on the back half of this schedule with the three I mentioned. Even then, you still got the Titans, who are at least fine, pretty good regular season team. I don't know. Like this Saints game and the Falcons game and the Panthers game, the NFC South, other than the Buccaneers, that's coming up. They have like three in a row. I feel like you might have to go at least two and one. And I would think you need to go three and oh, if you're going to try to make the playoffs, just because this is the part of the schedule you should be winning if you are a true, uh, you know, contender in this division. Yeah. I know percentage doesn't matter, but if they fall to two and four, their percentage chances uh, about 9% to make the postseason. but we'll get to more questions, mailbag, everything that you sent over on Twitter to Bengals underscore Sands and at LND S Patterson next on it's always game day in Cincinnati. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with Royal Caribbean. You don't just go to the beach. You visit a private Island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean ships registry Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's the mailbag portion. I say this all the time to Mike when we record, right before we record, when we do the mailbag every Thursday for the second segment, I will tweet, send your questions to Bengals underscore Sands. Send them for for us. I will ask him these questions. I don't have to answer them. Nobody says anything, nothing. But if I said, what's your favorite color, or this is my favorite day of the week, I get like 20 billion replies of people that want to talk about that. But when it comes to Bengals, no. Unless I ask about play calling, you don't want to ask anything on Thursdays. And I just have beef with Twitter on that. So it hurts my feelings. Um, It makes me feel like you guys aren't listening. (laughs) So please, please send your questions on Thursdays when we ask. But I do appreciate my guy, Bengals underscore Sands, for Putting it out there, and we'll get to a, we'll get to our one of my favorites on Twitter, Jake Lisko. 
He <laughs> says, how many routes did Jamar Chase run that were in, in breakers in week five? Oh, man. Uh, he did. It's not like he never did. Um, but they mostly kept him outside and running vertical or, uh, you know, curls, just things like that. I don't know. I try to come up with like <laughs> a percent. I don't, I, it's, a, it's tough. I don't know. Like they mostly run vertical and uh, curls and thing and outbreakers with him. So like the inbreakers, not as much as you want. And I know this is like a big thing. They have run inbreakers before and they did a ton of it in week one with him. And I think that was a little bit with T being out. They kind of were like, because T's the inbreaker guy. He's the guy that they use over the middle of the field. He's six foot four. So they want to use him there. But with him out, maybe they should have used Chase more in that opportunity. Uh, but yeah, not a ton, but it did happen. It's not like he only ever ran, you know, the outbreakers, all that type of stuff. To me, whatever. I think Jake's actually trolling a little bit there because he is. He's, he he's definitely been, is. He's been, he uh, is. Upset and uh, about the coverage that uh, seems to be happening with Jamar Chase and how the Bengals are committing war crimes and their usage of him. Uh, no, I know he is, but we had to ask it because Jake was one of the first people to reply to your question on Twitter. So we'll go with Brendan H. He says, how has Jesse Bates been through five weeks? What is the outlook versus expectation for him in terms of performance for the rest of the year? Safeties are so volatile. I think he's been pretty good. Um, and the thing about it is just like a good safety doesn't show up that often a lot of times. And that's kind of what Bates has been doing. He He's not getting the interceptions. Von Bell's getting those right now. I don't know how many passes he's broken up or if he's really counted for any of those, but he's had good coverage reps. I could find them and put, I, I have a few already <laughs> clipped up that I could post for the people that are, on Bates watch and want Dax Hill in already and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I think he's been fine. I don't think he's been bad. I don't think he's necessarily been as elite as he was in 2020. Um, overall outlook for the season is just, you hope that he can continue this level of play as a baseline and that you'll get those spike weeks when it matters. So when they play the chiefs, the bills and the Buccaneers, which I think is the toughest three games on the schedule, when they play those three games, you get an interception here, a couple pass breakups in one of those games, you know, things like that. I do think he's done a better job tackling this year than before. I remember that Dolphins game. It felt like he made like 10 tackles, and I don't know if he missed any. Well, uh, do you think – I'm going to ask you this, and just to follow up, but this wasn't on Twitter, but just overall, if he plays at the level he's playing at right now, do you think he maybe should have probably almost pretty much taken the Bengals offer last year? This will this pass off season. I mean, if the offer is what they're saying it is, I think the issue is more the guaranteed money. And I think he'll still get more guaranteed money on the open market than what they offered him. Cause they offered him what, like 20 million guaranteed. It was like four mm -hmm. more than the, than the tag. I don't know if he hits the, like that much more cash and does he move from, a team that's coming off a Super Bowl to a team that's rebuilding. I don't know any of that because we'll just have to see. I I feel like whatever. I'm so pro player in this, and I know that this is not the best thing for fans sometimes, but yeah. I am very much – you have a limited window. If you want to make whatever money that you want to make, go ahead because this is your life and your future, dude. And 
I think the Bengals are fine with that too. It's the business side of it, and they already they've already moved on in their mind. You know, like, they they're, like they're like this is your we're happy to have you along the ride here. You're going to give us great play this season, and good luck next year. It's like the Bengals are in a relationship and they moved on while they're still uh, married or dating. They're, they're separated but not divorced. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like right in front of them. Like you see that guy over there? We're dating him on the sideline. But he's, yeah. not, he's not playing yet. He's your replacement. <laughs> Jesse Bates is the, it's the wife and Dax Hill is the new girlfriend, but she can't move in yet. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is totally happening right now. I say pay Von Bell. Uh, but we'll 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 move on. Uh, we'll go back to the offensive side. Kyle Schobel, and I apologize if I but- butchered your last name. He said, on top of the offensive struggle so far, do you believe, as I do, that not addressing the wide re- wide receiver four spot is kind of an issue for this team? I think it has been an issue because I don't think Mike Thomas has played at a starter level when he's gotten in there. Um, this past week he had that really nice catch and run. But other than that, man, I just think back to week one when T missed and they put him into T's role and that's tough to do, but he ran all these dig routes and he was misreading the coverage. In my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it looked like he was misreading the coverage. He'd sit behind like a linebacker that was dropping or a safety. He'd run into the corner and not get any separation. Just a whole bunch of like, oof. if T was in this game, he goes for 130. But Mike Thomas is in there and they missed all three of those, <laughs> all three of those routes that should have been open. And it's like, ah, man. So you almost wish like and that wouldn't be a rookie or anything that you I know there was a lot of excitement for. Was it was last year when everybody was excited? about? I am already forgetting the preseason heroes of this. Oh, it was this year. It was this year. Okay. Well, any of those guys, the undrafted free agent rookies, they're not, they're probably not going to be the best at reading coverages out real quickly. Maybe they are, but I don't think these guys have caught on with their new teams either yet. Um, so I, this would be like a veteran guy. I think they should have maybe gotten like a, um, uh, what's that guy? He was on the Jets and he killed the Bengals. Um, I'm going to look that up. What do you think about the RC Four situation? Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Everybody loves a preseason breakout star just like they do a training camp. There's always a star that you're like, oh, this guy is amazing. He's going to really bring it this year for the offense. And they end up not even getting picked up on a team where they're on a practice squad. Look, maybe in their future and a couple years down the road, they are going to be on the active roster. But me personally, they're going against backups and backups and backups in preseason. So I take what it was as just, wow, this is some August excitement because we don't have real September football. Uh, I do agree with you. I think a vet, but not like an old vet, someone who has a little bit of experience that can come in there. You know, a lot of the guys who are left are either injury prone or they were going to go and get a better deal somewhere else. I didn't ever think they were going to get Odell Beckham Jr. And he's still battling coming back from his injury. So he wouldn't be helpful right now either. So personally, I'd, I'd say they probably could have brought a vet in just for more depth, but no, no huge name. Keelan Cole is who I was thinking of. I looked it up. I never would have said that. He made an awesome catch against the Bengals last year, and I was like, ah, it wouldn't be a bad wide receiver for. <laughs> I even thought about that moment until right now. He had like 400 yards. <laughs> I don't, don't want to relive that's that. Why, game. That's wide receiver four yardage. I don't want to ever relive that Jets game from 2021. <laughs> that was so miserable. Really was miserable. Like, see, that's the thing. They have games this year that are early on that they should be winning, and they were super close. And then last year they had games in the middle of the season that were just frustrating. Like, how did you lose this? Even the Packers game, when they were going against each other with field goals and 
it was just absolutely insane ending. There's so many games like that where you're like, that's annoying. They should have won it. Yeah, and the Bears game last year. But, I mean, this year, I don't think there's been a Jets moment where I really felt that way. Because even, yeah. even the Steelers is a divisional game. They had T.J. Watt. I know they look terrible, but they're a different team with Watt in there and whatnot. But I don't know. I felt I, that Jets game was very much a, oh, my God, they're blowing it. Oh, my God, they're blowing it type moment. Whereas the uh, the other the games this year have more so been like, oh, man, it's a close one, but they lost. And I feel like it was okay. Jets last year was a disaster, but is it worse that Joe Flacco got the starting nod this year over Mike White? Like we didn't even lose to the the backup. We lost to the guy who was on the roster, got replaced by Joe Flacco the next year as the backup. The Mike White hype is so real for Jets fans. Like they love that guy. And personally, like, I don't think he was going to go in there the second time around and just pick this defense apart. And you are going against someone because I trust Lou, but you're going against someone who you don't have a lot of tape on. And I'm going to blame it on that. Just kind of the way that they lost that game. But, you know, you mentioned it, the Steelers game. Obviously, everyone thinks about that because it's their only win right now. But they gave the ball to the Steelers five times and lost because they couldn't make an extra point. Like, that's how bad the Steelers are. Five times. Yeah, I have thought of that now. I'm like, yeah, that offense was terrible. Maybe I am overestimating, but I do think that the defense deserves credit for the uh, for the interceptions and yeah. whatnot. It wasn't 100%. 100%. And no other team has had to face the Steelers with TJ Watt this season. And they haven't won a game if TJ Watt is not on the field. So uh, that was a factor. I think that's a huge factor. I mean, they've been in a couple games too. I think that he would change the game. And I don't want to get into Kenny Pickett because this is not a Steelers podcast, but he actually has looked okay in his first real start, even though they got demolished against the Bills. Um, so I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> Hopefully that was it for, the, for them. But I want to stay with the wide receiver room. Parker Blake said, is Jamar really getting that much special treatment or are teams picking up on him being more of a decoy or so it feels is the, in this offense? Uh, the, yeah, he's still getting – he gets Randy Moss treatment at times. I know that's like saying things, things say, but it's against the Dolphins. They just move the safety over to him every time. If they were in a single high coverage, the safety was basically playing a too high, like he was just playing that half of the field and just letting T do whatever. And they put their best corner on T, but T smoked him. So <laughs> that's why the, the offense had moments of awesomeness against uh, the Dolphins. Against the Ravens, they played a whole bunch of um, split field, quarters on one side, cover two on the other side. Cover two just followed Chase. Wherever he went, it was cover two to that side because they want to get – they want to zone it up. They want to get a defender into him, and then they want to have a safety over the top to help. So it was almost coverage wherever that guy goes type thing, and that, that's just really respectful. I was listening to Matt Bowen, who is a former – uh, safety in the NFL and now does a lot of analysis for ESPN. He's on, he was on NFL matchup. He isn't anymore. And uh, he was on the athletic show and he was talking about how, whenever they played Randy Moss, they played cover six quarters, one side, half of the other, every single time they ever played Randy Moss and it scared you crapless as a, as the safety to be the guy who's supposed to be over the top. But what it does is you're the corner. You could jam that guy. You're not afraid of getting beat deep because he's not your responsibility back there. That's the safety. So you could just get into him, do whatever you want. And then uh, if he gets past you, he gets past you, just sink and look to the inside and you can give help if needed. So it's tough. It's just tough to get a wide receiver going when they 
sell all their resources to stop that guy. So to me, the reason to get out of the way to get out of that is to hit Boyd, hit Higgins and get the run game going. But um, there's a whole, I feel like it's a conglomerate of like, well, this is what they need to do to get chase. Going. They got chase the ball in space and he didn't do anything. That, yeah. that was, the, that was the issue is that he got smoke alerts. He got these screens and he didn't make them miss. So they went creative. They did creative things. They had him run a wheel route out of the backfield, but he gets rerouted and grabbed by the defensive end. So, and that's what happens when you're behind the line of scrimmage because it's legal. So there's a, they had a creative game plan to get chased the ball. They threw it all at the wall immediately and it all almost failed. But I just think we wouldn't be having this conversation really if Jamar Chase makes Marcus Peters miss on that play and he runs for 30 yards. Like we're like, oh, wow, they're getting chased the ball. They're treating him like Debo Samuel. But because he gets tackled for a one-yard gain, it's not, oh, we're treating, we're giving him Debo Samuel touches. It's this offense stinks. They don't know what they're doing type stuff. It's Some of that's execution. I agree that some of the play calling is suspect, but we also got to just put it on the line. Like some of this is execution. Well, that's the thing. That's the problem I have. Obviously, we can blame the play calling all we want, just like Joe Burrow said. But at the end of the day, they have to make it happen. And you, it's okay. I'm going to say this like in a whisper, but it's okay to, to criticize Jamar Chase sometimes. It's okay to criticize Joe Burrow sometimes. We do it with the offensive line. You know, it's okay to say, hey, you have to do this better. And, you know, it, I, I, I semi-wish that when Joe threw the ball to Jamar Chase, and I want to say it was the one that got the flag, that he didn't catch the ball at the two-yard line. Because if he doesn't catch the ball at the two-yard line, they're probably thinking, let's go for the field goal here. Let's get the points versus trying to force it in. Um, there's so, there's so, I'm so, I'm just, I don't even want to think about that moment. That game was still annoying. And, you know, we talk about ways a team wins. If I'm Baltimore, I don't, I don't feel like, oh man, we looked great offensively. We really got it going. That's what's so disappointing about the game. I like the way they contained Lamar Jackson and they still couldn't get it done because the offense can't score points. And that is a problem. That's a problem with your coaching staff. That's a problem with your offense. That's a problem with your players. Not to go back too far. We get one more. For I'm going to go I'm going to go one more cuz we are running a little bit long and this is something I actually wanted to bring up in the first segment. Shadow says so Huber WTF. <laughs> oh yeah, he just he's had a couple shanks and it's really tanked uh anything season long punting they did. I thought he started the season pretty strong but now it's looking like uh you can see why they're looking for a punter. I don't know if Chrisman would be better still because they were like the same in the preseason you just go with the consistency and Huber. Oh man. I don't even know if I can say he did a great job holding because there has been a few kicking errors with the back, with the emergency long snapper. But when you consider when he has a normal long snapper, I feel like he's done a pretty good job holding. Yeah. I mean, that's to be determined, but I think that there's going to be a magnifying glass on, on Kevin Huber over, over the next game might be this game that you're like, hmm, well, let's change it up. Let's try it. Cause Christmas on the practice squad right now. And you could always activate him. Um, obviously they're doing that at practice, but yeah, it's something to keep an eye on because field position is extremely important. Okay. I, I want to get to one. I didn't get to oh. uh, just one real quick. Luke Braun. What's the funniest possible I thing that, that happened to Eli Apple this week? What's your answer? I saw Jake's answer. <laughs> Is that what you're going with? Or are you coming up with one? I'm going to be optimistic. Okay. I'm going to be optimistic because Eli has been really good this week. And by good, I mean, he's not saying anything else on social media. He's not, <laughs> he's actually not even talking in the locker room. He's like, no, he just talks about, you know, the game and needing, you know, the win and everything like that. So I will say the funniest thing that he can do is they're driving. 
the Saints are driving. We've watched it all season long, fourth quarter, only a few minutes to go. They're about to kick the game winning field goal because that's how it happens against this team when they're about to lose. And Eli Apple picks Andy Dalton off for a pick six in the end zone for the walk-off. He almost did that against the Chiefs. I think we all forget because oh. he dropped it, but he had a pick six. It was an outbreaking route. He jumped it. He got his hands on it and he just dropped it. Wasn't contested or anything. That was a run into the end zone, overtime win from Eli Apple, and he dropped it. I can't, I'm still upset about it, to be honest. I know because it would have been icing on the cake. It would have just I needed to see what Twitter's reaction would have been if Patrick Mahomes threw a pick six to Eli Apple to end the game. I think the funniest thing, there's two things that I think could be the funniest thing. One, Eli Apple breaks the single game interception record against Andy Dalton. I think that would be hilarious on multiple fronts. One, in New Orleans. Two, to the old quarterback of the team. And three, it's Eli Apple. <laughs> Four, breaking the, like a 50-year-old record. I don't know. But I think if I'm thinking of a specific type thing, I think the funniest thing that could happen to Eli Apple this week is, oh man, let's say um, he's mic'd up. I'm just gonna say he's mic'd up, but it's probably gonna be Von Bell. <laughs> probably would be Von Bell. Um, I want to say it's a deep ball, and he's burned, and uh, receivers got slow down to catch. Let's say it's Michael Thomas has to slow down to catch it, but after he catches it, Eli rips it out of his hands and starts running the other way. I saw that happen in the Vikings game. That's why I want to say that is because the Vikings corner uh, gives up the catch, but the guy's like turning to get upfield, and he just. <laughs> Rips out of his hands for the game winner. It's like that was the end of the drive. It wasn't an interception. He just ripped the fumble away and never hit the ground. So I think I'll go with the funniest thing is that he just breaks the single game interception record in this week. And that's very optimistic that Eli Apple can do that. Maybe there's some scuffling on the field about it. Maybe Dennis Allen and him get into it a little bit. That'd be kind of I mean, Not physically, but you know, I will like, be going to social media after the game if they win and Eli Apple does something pretty amazing just to see what his first tweet is. That's for sure because they do not like him in Louisiana right now. Six and he hid an apple under the goalpost or something. I don't know. Like, he, oh, yeah. Oh, what if he steals the Joe Horn celebration for the cell phone? Six? Yeah, yeah, he could. <laughs> He does like to slide on that thing. Maybe slides down. Yeah, picks up it slides phone. down, picks up the phone. Is this yeah, a Joe I, Horn celebration? That'd I was legit thinking of, of Horn doing that. So that's too funny. That's probably going to happen. All right, we're already running late on this probably. segment. Oh, man, I hope he gets a pick six in general. But if he can do that too, I will ascend from my couch. I will, I will pay buy, the fine. I will buy an Eli Apple jersey immediately if that happens. All right, you heard it here first. Eli Apple jersey if he gets a pick six and he does a celebration with the cell phone, a little throwback in NOLA. But we'll be back next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It is prediction, preview, a look ahead couple days until the Bengals are back on the road which feels like pretty much all their games have been on the road to start the season they've had a couple at home this is going to be a big one we've had this on the calendar circled a lot of people thought maybe it'd be a primetime game because it's a Joe Burrow 
homecoming. I'm using quotes here because he's from Ohio, but obviously he's going back to Louisiana and he's really familiar with the Superdome. You get Jamar Chase, who's from Louisiana. I think he's going to have 20 to 30 family members down there. A lot of his family members are actually Saints fans. So um, I think his dad, I heard earlier in the week that his dad is, you know, asking those family members, who are you for? Who are you for in this game? Because you're not getting a ticket unless you're, you're, you're hoping the Bengals get the dub. And then you get Von Bell, Trey Hendrickson, Eli Apple. It's really wild how many former Saints are on the squad and, and guys who are performing really well defensively. And, you know, they remember that the Saints didn't, didn't sign them and, and they extended in Cincinnati. And then Eli Apple, you know, is kind of having his his relived NFL career in Cincinnati over the last two seasons. When you think about those guys, out of all of the homecoming guys, who's going to have the biggest game? Have we forgotten about the homecoming of Tyler Shelvin? I mean, <laughs> he's going to be active. He was active last week. I don't know. <laughs> he played a couple snaps. Somebody's going to be like, you didn't say Thaddeus Moss. I don't even know if Thaddeus Moss is on the practice squad at this point. I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea if he is either. I know he's not on the active roster. Shelvin made the active roster last you should, week. That's you should go check out the practice squad to make sure that I'm not wrong because Twitter will tell me if I'm wrong. How did you not know Thad Moss isn't on? The, the good thing about Hayden Hurst is he's performing so well that people won't remind me that Thaddeus Moss should be up here getting um, some reps because I feel like that train kind of left. I don't feel like we hear that as much anymore. No offense to Thaddeus Moss. I just don't think that it was working out so Maybe far. Find the practice squad. <laughs> I don't even, they probably don't even have it on there. I, yeah, I was trying I to should, Google it, but um, I should know that he's he's on the practice squad, but I really don't know because it's like, Thaddeus Moss from the practice squad September 5th. I don't see anything on him being re-signed. So I don't think he's that will not be happening. He will not be getting a reunion in in, in Nola. Um or in Louisiana. Maybe he's one of uh, Jamar Chase's friends that gets a ticket. Maybe, maybe. And nothing against that Moss. I hope he has a great career wherever he is. And hopefully he's on Patriots. an good. Go get that win this weekend. Patriots. <laughs> Go get it done. Go get it done. Uh but yeah, no. Tyler Shelman, Thaddeus Moss, sorry, honorable mention, did not mention those guys, but <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? When I did say that earlier, I was like, who did I miss? Because there's so many guys from Louisiana that I knew I missed somebody. But out of all those guys, who's going to have a game? Um, I will say <laughs> – I want to keep it going with Eli Apple, but I'll say I, – I think Jamar Chase gets it going this week. I don't know. I think I think New Orleans like to, likes to play aggressive. I think they like to, you know, get downhill. They like to trust their players – if you trust your players against Jamar Chase and don't try to scheme around him, then what they did against Justin Jefferson was they just trusted Marshawn Lattimore to cover him. That's what was, I went back and watched the game because everybody's showing like the Vikings, they scheme this guy up. So it was just like, they get Minnesota in a good looks, I guess, but they're not like running anything, any crazy routes with him. He's running Jamar Chase's routes a lot of the time. Uh, and they're also different players. So like, it makes sense sometimes when he does this other stuff, but anyway, they just played him one-on-one -on -one against Marshall Lattimore. And if you do that, then I think Jamar Chase will finally have his, what? I don't know. He had a big game week one. I don't know. We keep forgetting about that. But Low key. Nobody talks he, about it because he, he should have had two touchdowns. He, he was half a shoe size, shoe size from having three and yeah. a missed call. So <laughs> it, it was, 
almost more than two. It was almost like biggest yeah, game. I, I should have said two additional ones to that. Yeah, two because, additional. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, I think he has a good game. I think I, I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are going to do well. I think the passing offense will do well. I have concerns about the run game for this game, but I do think that they should be able to throw the ball against New Orleans. Here's what will happen is every week we have this prediction of what's going to happen with the offense. And I have this really strange feeling that they'll actually do well running the ball on back-to-back weeks. I know it's going to be different when you face this defense, but I, for some reason, because every time I think this offense is finally going to get it going somewhere else in another location, the run game surprisingly is working and they just don't stay with it, which not going back. We're not going back. We're looking ahead. So I, I think I agree with you that Jamar Chase is going to get it going too, but my person, and it's really easy to say Joe Burrow because I think of how cool it would be on social media to use the LSU highlights from their games um, in that stadium to what happened you know, in the same exact stadium, throwing a Jamar for a touchdown. I think it'd be really cool. And that's just me being selfish because I like the content. But I'm going to go Von Bell. He's just feeling himself right now. He really is. And, you know, he did talk to Paul Dana earlier this week, a great piece on The Athletic about the homecoming game. And he just remembered that, hey, I moved on to Cincinnati and they wanted me here. And he just has um, – he's been really fun. He's changed a lot of the games in the last couple of weeks with his interception – and I just think they get it. I think they get it going again defensively. They put the pressure on Andy Dalton because I'm going to assume that he's going to play. Jameis Winston uh, has been limited in practice. I think it's going to be kind of an easy going to get him back into the rhythm as a starting quarterback. So I think this is the first time Cincinnati will beat Andy Dalton. And I think they're going to get a lot of pressure on him, which is so wild to think about. It's so full circle. You can't uh, fall to 0-2 against Andy Dalton as Joe Burrow, you know? No, it'd be 0 and 3. Well, I know Joe was hurt in the yeah, it would be 0 and 3, but yeah. Joe Burrow specifically would be 0 and 2 against Andy Dalton. Yeah, no, 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 it can't happen. I think they put pressure on him, and I, I, I really believe in this defense. I know the crowd, the atmosphere is going to be crazy and awesome. But look, they went to the AFC Championship game and won at Arrowhead Stadium. Joe Burrow was asked about it earlier this week. What's the loudest stadium you've ever played in? He's been there before. He's been in Louisiana, played in that stadium, but he said Arrowhead is absolutely the loudest and um we we saw the outcome of that game so personally i think the biggest thing when you look at the outlook of it on both sides of the ball man this is gonna sound like coach speak 100 i'm gonna say it every week every week when i'm giving my prediction it's about getting out being aggressive scoring early not getting behind i should just take all of zach taylor's quotes after the game and just say them in my in my voice and just they, to see if you ever catch on they sure do just shoot themselves in the foot early in games and never get off to yeah. a good start. The two good starts I've gone off to, they won those games. So yes, so get off to a good start, put some points on the board, and guess yeah. what happens when you get to put you put points on the board? You have a defense that stops them, and then you can have some fun. You can take some deep shots down the field. You can not. I wouldn't say creative because we've talked about how they they are creative on this offense. They're just not executing on um, what the coaching staff and. Yeah, I mean, there is also a difference between creative and good. You know, yes. like, I don't think that the the Philly special or the shovel pass were good. They certainly were creative, but I don't know if that was that was good yeah. ideas. I just miss. I'm so selfish and I'm so jealous. I'm, I'm jealous when I watch the Bills right now in their offense. But I'm also I think about Week One of Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. I remember I want to say it was the first quarter. I was at the game in attendance, and the lines were super long because credit cards were a brand new thing at the stadium last year. You couldn't pay in cash, and I was watching Jamar score his first touchdown with strangers. 
at Paul Brown Stadium at the time, and we're like, well, that guy can catch a football. And that highlight just plays on loop, just that that throw, that catch. And we just haven't seen that. And it's just, it's so annoying. I'm, I'm Maybe I'm annoyed that there's nine, 10-minute drives for this offense to get down the field, dink and doink down the field with short passes, and they finally score. But I want to see something. I want to see this offense be exciting because when where they're ranked when it comes to other offenses, it's just it's so it's just disappointing because the expectations are extremely high right now. It's just, this is the first time I think a lot of Bengals fans have had the expectations they currently have. Last year, I don't think people had those in October. Nobody knew what was going to happen. You know, they struggled in October, and and I w- if someone would have told me in September, October that team was going to the Super Bowl, I'd say you're you're lying. No, they're not. Not yet. Maybe another year. Not not right now. So yeah. the expectations go from falling into the soup, falling in the Super Bowl after almost winning the Super Bowl to what is going on with this offense. So I'm kind of rambling, but I, I should give my prediction and my score. I think the Bengals win. I don't think they get to 30 points. I think it's 24-21. It's a close game um, because that's what they like to play in. And um, they find a way to get it going semi with this offense, but nothing crazy. Uh, okay. I think it's an interesting game. I, I heard Ross Jackson, um, who does the locked on saints one. He said he thinks Dalton starts again, which is interesting because Luke wins to start getting some limited practices. So I thought maybe he would play, but if it's Dalton, that's, I don't know how different a, honestly, Dalton's probably better than Winston. Who's if he's broken right now. So like, I don't think that's a big difference. Um, maybe fully healthy Winston would be more, I don't know. He would at least a lot, add a lot of variance. Um, I think if the Bengals can get out to a, a good lead, they probably won't allow Andy Dalton to just move the ball down the field. I do think that these eight minute drives while feel very bottled up, if you are scoring on them, these I are know. the drives that like defenses probably hate the most. Because they're not getting off the field, they're giving up first down after first down. Like I don't know, that's that is prime football to be able to take a defense, go eight minutes down the field. If you do that twice, twice and a half though, control the ball for an entire quarter on two drives and score touchdowns, just dominate them. Imagine the offense goes three and out after an eight-minute drive, and then you start going on another one. That's brutal on a defense. You're true. You're right. that's where you start getting those explosive plays just because the defense is like, oh, my God, can I get off the field type stuff. I'm selfish, okay? I want something exciting. I want them to go down do and too. score. And, and then I'm like, it's nine minutes and there's four minutes to go and you're down by ten still. Like, I, I didn't like that in the Dallas game. I didn't feel like the, the urgency was all there. But, of course, they came back and tied it and everybody knows how that game ended. Um, okay, so we're here's the thing. Every time I pick them, I keep thinking to myself, I'm not picking you until you prove that I should pick you again. And what did I do? I picked them. Picked them I, against the Saints. I will go 24-17 Bengals. I think that they'll be fine. I think this game is Stop. only favored by one, but I feel like they are the better team. New Orleans is dealing with more injuries somehow. Um, maybe that is the deciding factor, though. Like, who plays out of all these injured players? Like, if the Saints get everybody back and they're without T and Jonah, like, I don't feel confident about this at all anymore. But if Everybody on the Saints is out and everybody on the Bengals is out. I feel fine. If all these players play, then I definitely feel fine. So I don't know. I also don't think that the Bengals defense is undisciplined enough to allow a Taysom Hill touchdown. I'd probably ruin that, but 
<laughs> it's I, at least a long one, maybe on the goal line, maybe on the goal. Line. I'll say he could score the goal. Line. I don't think they'll give up a 50 yarder to him. I just think they're a very well coached unit. I was like 24 17 Bengals. I think the offense, the passing offense gets going. I wouldn't be that surprised if they can score 30 plus on the Saints. And uh, to me, this is a game they should win, and I think they will. All right. We're picking Bengals winning this week, and uh, hopefully they get on the right side because not to look too far ahead, but they have some, I would say, semi-winnable games coming up before they go into the bye week. So three and three would do wonders when it comes to the AFC North and just the AFC overall in the standings. I know you have plenty over on Twitter, but what's on all Bengals this week? Hopefully getting up a preview article on one of my favorite players that plays for the Saints, Demario Davis, the linebacker. Uh, super good player. Very fun. Probably the most fun uh, linebacker, maybe the most fun linebacker to watch just because he's very physical and very fast and very good. But like seeing guys come up to try to block him, he just like throws them on the ground and just keeps running. I don't know. I find that very fun. Just hopefully he doesn't do it on Sunday. But yes, please check it out. I'm sure it's a great article. <laughs> <laughs> Bengals underscore stands at Ellen Diaz Patterson. Win, lose, or draw. I don't even want to think about a tie. Those shouldn't happen in the NFL. We'll be back Sunday for a recap after the Bengals at Saints. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. <laughs>